Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pride of Olympus. Today is our Theurgy Forum, and I'm greatly honored to announce our guests, Tony Merswicki, Brandy Williams, and Patrick Dunn. Greetings and welcome, fellow Theurgists. Hi, Hercules. Hi, Hercules. I, I wanted to play the outro to the show rather than the intro, but nobody gets to hear the outro <laughs> usually, so today they got to hear it. Um, how's everybody been? Uh, we'll start with Brandy. Wait a minute. Is Patrick on? Yes, I'm um, Can you hear me? Yes, he's there. Oh, welcome, Patrick. This is the first time I've gotten to, to be on the forum with you, and I'm so excited to hear your voice. Awesome. Um, so I will answer your question. I've been wonderful. I just came back from India, <laughs> um, and I am about to have a publication. Um, Llewellyn is publishing the Big Book of Ceremonial Magic, and I have a piece in it that talks about the future. So I'm going to be excited to talk about that today. That'll be extremely awesome. Uh, in fact, I've reformatted the show a little bit to give us uh, some more breaks. So we'll be breaking every 40 minutes. So there'll be a couple of breaks in between. So uh, we'll have plenty of time to focus on that today. Tony, how are you? Um, I'm doing really well. Um, probably the highlight of my month was attending a demonstration on the 1st of November. There was the Los Angeles climate strike, um, which yes. featured an appearance by Greta Thunberg. And there was also World Vegan Day. So both uh, demonstrations were held at the same time. I don't know if you want me to talk about it now or wait till later, but... Um, to be honest, I was greatly inspired by Brandy. Brandy's always going off to demonstrations and um, and being very active in, um, uh, in yes, activism. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to actually get involved as well. Well, let's uh-huh. let's Patrick uh, come into the uh, circle and then uh, then we'll focus on things in more detail. Uh, Patrick, how are you? I'm great. Um, I mean, India is exciting and all, but I've been grading freshman papers, so that's really <laughs> it's, it's that time of the semester where I'm pretty much crushed with work, so I don't get a lot 
of, of free time right now. Well, I thank you then for taking some of that free time and spending it here. It's very greatly appreciated. Well, it's a good use of my free time. <laughs> um, Bruce was unable to join us today. Bruce, a.k.a. John Oxapaus, he didn't leave any messages for us. Um, Jean-Louis de Biasi was also unable to join us today, uh, but he asked that we share that in December, which is uh, not that far away, he'll be holding an online class called Secrets of Radionic Kabbalah. And uh, it'll be uh, two uh, classes that'll be held online and then about a month in a Facebook group that'll be secret uh, where you can spend time with him and uh, uh, absorb and apply the material that you're learning. So that sounds very exciting and I wish him great uh, success with it. It so, sounds exciting. Doesn't it? He yeah. recently wrote something on the Arbitel and I wish I had... Uh, um, registered that like on a piece of paper so that it was forever in my uh, memory as I sat near my computer because I, I loved the Arbitel. So that would have been a really fascinating uh, adventure to take with him. Mm -hmm. So Brandy, tell us about your book. Um, so the the book is, is uh, Llewellyn's Big Book of Ceremonial Magic, and uh, 13 of us or 14 of us made contributions. It's an anthology. Many, many people um, contributed to it. it it's uh, edited by uh, David Shoemaker and Lon Milo Duquette. And so I have a piece, and my piece is uh, the, the final piece, the epilogue. So it's a little bit different um, than everyone else's in that it's, it's not just a um, recitation of, of what is today, but it talks about the future, how we can think about the future and how we can envision the future together. And it's, it's told as a story, a fable that's meant to be itself an initiation to, to give hope to people that we do have a future and we do have the ability magically to affect the future. And it's something that I, I discover as I do my activist work, that people have deep pessimism about the ability of the planet to survive us and the ability of young people to have a future even in their own lifetimes, right? So I, I, I think this is something we can address magically, and so that's what the piece addressed. That is awesome. You'd mentioned uh, the piece uh, before, um, and uh, it, I'm, I'm very happy that it's all come together and that it'll be published uh, soon. Is there some detail that you could share, or are you constrained to silence uh, um, until it's published. No, no, I can, I can totally, um, I can totally share detail, and it's, it's going to be hitting print any, any minute now. Um, we, wow. I've, I've gotten the, the final. I sent you guys all a, a copy, actually. I, um, don't, don't send it to other, other folks. Don't let it out. No, no, I, no. I did send you a copy, so you can, you can take a look at it. And we'll be talking about it. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be at Pantheacon. Uh, Llewellyn will have the usual Llewellyn suite, so we'll be having, um, I'm sure, presentations about it, um, and. And uh, because we're going to be at, at Pantheacon and because Tony has set up the, the panel for us, I, I looked at the piece again and I, I realized that the very end of the piece was a call to action. And that call to action is let's, let's talk about how we can jointly vision the future. And I said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I should start working on that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure people will have questions uh, at Pantheacon. I thought, you know what, we have a group here of people who will be at Pantheacon um, maybe we can talk about some ideas about how we can jointly uh, engage in visioning the future, and I can we can work something up for for Tony to include in the panel also. 
Oh, that is uh, fantastic. And uh, I put down for tonight, but later on when we discuss different topics, uh, envisioning the future, because you had mentioned it in one of your emails. So uh, we could start doing that together uh, here tonight. That would be awesome. Fantastic. Yep. And Tony, you are inspired by Brandy, as are we all, uh, and you've been getting more involved uh, in activism. Uh, would you like to share your most recent adventure in a little greater detail? Um, my last adventure was to attend the, uh, it was the youth climate strike in, in Los Angeles. Greta Thunberg came out, and I've been following her career with great interest. You know, as as we all know, she started off as, uh, just a little kid cutting classes every every Friday back in Sweden, and she's gone from being a solo person demonstrating against climate change to developing a following of millions. So the point of the demonstration was that Los Angeles has a huge number of active oil wells, which are very close to where people live, particularly poor communities, uh, especially communities where there are people of color living in them. So the point was to um, uh, let Governor Newsom know that people um, are, are very unhappy with this state of affairs. And it was held on the 1st of November, and the 1st of November was also World Vegan Day. So the people who were going to be involved in World Vegan Day wound up combining their activities with the climate strike. And the thing is that um, with veganism, veganism is an excellent way of reducing carbon footprint, reducing water consumption. So even though we, we can't expect everyone to adopt a plant-based diet, by reducing meat consumption, we can actually move a long way towards reducing our carbon footprint and uh, minimizing, minimizing climate change. The thing is that climate change is actually being caused by uh, greenhouse gas emissions from the fossil fuel industry. Um, so it's a, it's a huge problem here in America. Uh, it's also a huge problem in my my birth country, Australia, which is the largest coal-producing nation in the world. So obviously, because we want to keep producing coal and exporting it, they tend to, leadership of both parties tends to turn their back on, on any sort of uh, claim, claims of climate change. But the thing that blew me away about this rally was that the people organizing it were all teenagers. The thing is that millennials get a really bad rap. People talk about them uh, constantly being on social media. They're narcissistic. They're very shallow. But here they were extremely concerned about their future, demonstrating they realized just how important this is. And looking around at the teenagers involved, I felt like the world's going to be in good hands. That is an interesting thing uh, that you just shared. Uh, a politician, I don't recall his name, wrote a book called It's Up to Us. And he'd written another book that was along the same lines, but he focused on young kids and, and people who didn't have uh, the types of connections you'd imagine that you need uh, who changed the world and started movements by declaring a stand on something, a firm stand. And uh, they, they were able to um, uh, grow movements and affect uh, the planet and our destiny. Uh, so that's, that's a skill I think we all need to cultivate. That's actually Greta's career to a T. She's 
made some very powerful friends. She's connected to Leonardo DiCaprio. She's connected to Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's influenced Jane Fonda. The, the list of people who admire her and the work that she's done is, is, is absolutely mind-blowing. And in just over a year, she's come out of nowhere to being a bona fide leader within the climate change community. So I'm full of admiration for the girl. She's changing the world already, and I can see her instituting even more changes as time goes on. And, and like I said, she's influenced all these other teenagers who were there who are also holding the torch and, and carrying on the work that she's doing. It's, it, was, it was amazing to watch. Made, made me extremely happy. That is incredibly awesome. Thank you for sharing it, and thank you for getting involved on behalf of all of us. And uh, Patrick, um, you are shaping young minds and helping to prepare them uh, to meet the challenges that lie before them. Um, what, what else has been up with you? Well, I just want to uh, second what Tony has said about the, the, the optimism that working with young people gives me. Um, you know, they, they really do get a bad rap, you know, and it, this has been true since, you know, we have some Marian tablets about old people complaining about young people. But um, their, their energy and their creativity kind of blows me away. And if anything, it's becoming more and more intense as, you know, as we face this, this sort of cluster of crises uh, in the 21st century. And so yes. I, I hate to put, I hate to put my hopes on, you know, on their shoulders, like, Oh, you know, I'm generation X. Sorry, we screwed it up. Fix it, please. You know, but, but they do give me some hope that, that, uh, that there is, uh, there, there are solutions to these problems. And I think that they will help find them. Uh, absolutely. Um, and as usual, uh, listening to the panelists fills me with shame that I don't do more in terms of active activism. No. Uh, you know. <laughs> but you, 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 do, you do a lot, though. Before you continue, you do a lot. Your books uh, are incredibly awesome, and you're taking ancient traditions. You're making them understandable. You're making them relevant, and uh, you've helped pass this information on, this timeless and wonderful information to the future. And you're working directly uh, with the youth of tomorrow, you're shaping their minds, and uh, they're the ones that are going to be the stewards of the mess we created, and it's going to be up to them to fix it. So uh, you are doing more than enough. Well, then they they generally uh, send me into a state of awe. Just their uh, their their courage, and they stand up to authority, and I am so glad to see that. Even though I'm supposedly an authority. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to see that they're standing up to authority. And when authority says something that they don't think is right, they don't hesitate to say, no, you're incorrect. Um, and, and the great thing is I work with students of all faith traditions, you know, and uh, like I said, I was great. I'm grading papers and uh, many of them are their, their papers about, you know, for uh, 18 or 19 year old freshmen about their, their purpose in life. And uh, which, I, you know, is, is when you think about it, kind of a silly question to ask them who's 18 or 19, but um, their papers are actually really quite good. And a lot of them are faith-based, but it's a, it's a faith that is like faith on the ground. It's, you know, faith in action. Um, I've had students writing about their, their experience, you know, building homes and hospitals. And it's like wow. these kids have done more in their, you know, when I was their age, I was trying to grow a mustache. That was my project. <laughs> and so, 
the, <laughs> the fact that they have so much been there. already. <laughs> so I'm I'm very proud of them and I'm very pleased that I get to work with uh young people. May they continue to do you uh, proud, and uh, I know it's very satisfying when you see people that you've uh, worked with accomplish great things in the world, and uh, um, knowing that in some way you contributed to that. So th- that is awesome. Mm-hmm. I found those the politician, by the way, his name is John Kasich, and uh, the book that uh, uh, struck me, so I ordered it, is It's Up to Us. And it's 10 little ways we can bring about big change. And then you'd written a related book a, a while ago called Stand for Something, which says it all. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading those books and applying uh, the principles that he shared, because uh, uh, we need to make an impact at this particular point in time, a great impact. Now, Brandy, you had uh, spoken of uh, dreaming a better tomorrow, and I believe uh, that as well. Uh, I believe that it's very easy to get caught up in the uh, problematic or heroic aspect of this and to you know, rise up to, to meet the crisis. But I also believe that um, what is called uh, usually, uh, and I'm forgetting the, the term, uh, affirmative prayer, I believe is one of the terms for it. But in that particular philosophy of uh, praying, you just imagine the best outcome is uh, accomplished. And as I move forward uh, through life, even though I can't remember the exact term, um, I found that it's much more satisfying and much more productive many times, in addition to reacting and and doing things in reaction to uh, uh, events or circumstances, to just keep in mind what type of world you want to live in or what type of world you want to see and that uh, your world does change uh, depending on what you expect it to be to some extent. Um, So that's very effective, even though it it doesn't seem so when you describe it to somebody. Yeah, that's a very interesting thought. Um, And I want to just stop and say something to Patrick real fast. Patrick, um, we we normally spend a couple of of minutes, (laughs) all of us, telling each other how much we admire our our work. And I want to tell you that I really admire your work. And I'm so happy to hear that you're you're working with the the next generation. Um, And I I do agree with Hercules that you've done a, a tremendous amount for for the world, just in the the books that you've um, you've printed, and you you're a youngster. I'm I'm a I'm the uh, baby boomer generation, so I'm I'm currently the <laughs> the target, right? <laughs> Millennials are like, you guys, you screwed up the world. So um, I I, uh, I think you should I think you should uh, worry about your your age. But yeah, um, so affirmative prayers is a, a wonderful wonderful thought. And, and when I was uh, when I was writing this this piece for Llewellyn, I studied future studies. There's a whole uh, category of, of thought called future studies. And one of the things that comes out of future studies is the idea that um, you can't, people can together make visions for the future and that you have to do that to wrest control back from the large corporations that are making decisions that affect people's lives. And so people coming together to make those images are the first step to, to getting the power to make ongoing positive change. And, and another way to do it is exactly what, what Tony was talking about, people getting together and going out into the streets and saying, this is the world that I want. Um, one, one of the things that I see us doing um, um, 
is inspiring people in, in how to do that. I think affirmative prayer, this idea, the, there are a lot of ideas that come from the magical world, right? Um, um, creative visualization uh, yeah. it has been around for 30 or 40 years. And, and people in the, the movements are starting to pick those up and use them. So I went to a, a seminar where we were being trained how to make interventions. If somebody came to a demonstration and was, was trying to disrupt it, how are you going to respond to that? And the first thing that we were we learned was grounding, right? To stand, the way they put it was to stand in your own dignity, which I love that image. But to stand, ground yourself, open yourself, and feel feel a connection to the earth and feel a connection to your own power. So I think that we magically have a, a chance, um, theurgically have a chance to to be effective and to take what we know and and take it out into the world through these kinds of, of routes. Um, and so that's why that's why I wanted to, to put it on the um, on the discussion tonight. We I see people writing rituals now, and what what people are writing rituals now are in opposition to something they don't like. And mm-hmm. I want to throw down for the idea of affirmative prayer and instead focusing on what we want, what we like, what the outcome is. I think that that that's always more effective. This is my I'm, I, I, um, my my positive you know um, pep talk, <laughs> but I really do believe that it is more effective to to be um, cheerful, to be positive, to focus on what you can do, and to to um, to support each other rather than to go into attack and and um, which which makes people defend themselves. So I'm I'm all for um, I'm all for that I'm all for affirmative prayer. It's a great idea. Thank you. And uh, after everybody's taking their turn, uh, I'm going to uh, return to this and to the things that you said, and see if I can apply them to a project that I've started, uh, and to see if you're interested in using all of these techniques in a particular uh, area. So thank you. Cool. Tony, your turn. Um, I think that affirmative prayer is incredibly important when used in conjunction with taking, um, when getting involved in activism. The thing is that, as Brandy pointed out, it's a matter of when being confronted by someone who has an opposing viewpoint, standing in your power, um, being calm, responding to the person's questions, um, trying to reason with them as best as you can one of the dangers that you can fall into is trying to use affirmative prayer on its own. Um, If it's just used on its own, um, I see it as empty. Um, Whenever there's a shooting, so many politicians offer thoughts and prayers, which which basically amount to nothing. It always has to be in combination with, um, with, with with some sort of action. So I really like the way Brandy's talking about incorporating um, affirmative prayer with taking action um, within a, um, a confrontational situation. You can also use affirmative prayer when engaging someone online. Every once in a while you find yourself being attacked by someone online who has a different viewpoint. Um, I, I think it's, as, as theogists, it's an advantage that we have. Um, it's something that we can, it's, it's part of our little bag of tricks that we can reach into to make our, our efforts our efforts far more effective than they would be otherwise. Very good point. And, and the in, initiative that I have in mind does combine uh, uh, both approaches uh, um, and incorporates uh, some other things I've been playing with over the years. Um, and uh, I really, I'm, I'm creating a podcast just around that initiative 
Um, and I've gotten a bunch of people involved in ready, not only theurgists, but you know, people who are politically involved and, and so forth. Uh, and uh, the, the, the way you're approaching it doesn't really matter as much as uh, taking action. So I will return to that after we return to Patrick. Patrick, your turn. The baton is passed to you. Uh, I, I, there's so much food for thought here. I just kind of want to ask questions, you know. Um, sure, go ahead. <laughs> I think, I, uh, well, I think that, you know, I, uh, what Brandy said about um, instead of doing magic against things, to do it for things. I mean, that's that's a pretty basic magical principle. Um, but it, it kind of gave me an aha moment because a lot of the stuff I see, even, even you know, politically active um, occultists, are are binding political figures rather than like blessing their opposition, you know, which which would uh, go a long way toward uh, um, robbing people of power who probably shouldn't have it, um, rather than just directly trying to take the power from. I, you know, I got to think about that a little bit because I'm, I'm seeing very little in the way of positivity in our political discourse at all, um, but especially very little in the in the way of magical, here's what we're going to to do magic to get, rather than here's what we're going to do magic to stop. Um, I do think there is a place for confrontation um, uh, online and in person. Um, I, I think there are some viewpoints that um, are poisonous and use poisonous tactics. Um, you know, I think, for example, of, of fascism, there's not a lot I feel like I can say in terms of connecting to or listening to someone who is openly espousing fascism, um, other than to, to say you, I, I, you're not part of any conversation I'm in. Uh, so, yeah, these are all things I got to think about. Like, where do you draw that line between let's talk and know you are beyond the pale of, of what is, what is worth talking to. So I don't know, maybe I'm just more pugnacious. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. What you said, I'd like you to cultivate and develop it a little bit more, if not right now, a little later if you can, because you said a lot and you've given us lots of food for thought as well. I'm sorry. What was that? You too have given us lots of food for thought, and you put a lot out there. That uh, I'd love to learn more about your thoughts in that area. If you could uh, cultivate it and, and expand it a little bit more, if you don't feel comfortable doing that now, we can return to it. Yeah, um, I just I, you know, I think about some some recent encounters I have had with um, people who have used toxic techniques. For example. Um, you know, there's, there are debate techniques that aren't designed to actually discuss. And if you go into them with good faith, believing you're having a discussion, you're not actually having a discussion. Uh, for example, right. they have names like fire hosing. Um, you can't actually have a discussion with someone who's fire hosing, you know, throwing uh, a lot of information, most of it spurious at you. And every time you respond to one thing, they say, yeah, but what about this thing? And then there's this thing. Um, that's not worth engaging in the conversation with because it's not really a conversation. Um, and then there's um, uh, muddying the waters where uh, 
your interlocutor will actually accuse you of the things that they themselves are guilty of. Yes. Um, I, I recently have been called a homophobe, which I think my uh, boyfriend of 12 years would be surprised to find out. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, uh, so, you know, and, and at that point, I don't know what to say. If, if, if you say, no, I'm not, now you're not actually discussing anything. You're talking about being offended. Um, you know, I tend to use Epictetus's advice and say, yeah, you called me that, but that's because you don't know all of my faults. And then I'll list a bunch of my faults because um, that just derails the attempt to, to point fingers and start a fight. If I say, yeah, I'm, I'm vain and I'm, uh, you know, grumpy and I've got all these other problems too, uh, but let's actually talk about the issues. Um, then it's hard for them to come back and say, you are grumpy and vain, you know. Um, <laughs> so. I think there's some ancient philosophy that could apply to, to drawing the line between when you discuss and when you, when you cut people off and walk away. Um, Epictetus also talks about how you can't slander a stone because the stone doesn't care what you say about it. And there are, there are times I think when we need to be stones. Very well said. Uh, it's a shame that, uh, um, uh, well, actually, no. Uh, we've talked about this uh, before without uh, Bruce, but Stoicism is making a comeback. So uh, th that was very powerfully said. Yeah, and it, uh, I, I quite like Stoicism. Unfortunately, there are also people, right-wing people, who have glommed on to a very superficial kind of Stoicism. So it's one of those things where you have to be careful where you get your information from. Very true. Thank you so much. That's a, that's a lot to think about. And before we move on, I'd like uh, to see if uh, Brandy and Tony have any comments on what you said. Brandy? Yeah, um, Patrick, I, I want to say, as I was thinking, uh, as I was listening to you talk, um, I, I think that there is definitely a place for confrontation. And Tony's talked about Greta Thunberg. One of her great moments was standing standing in front of the, the UN and saying, you know, you, you should be ashamed of yourselves. There's a, a place for calling out, and um, it can mm -hmm. be a very powerful uh, thing in your arsenal. And did, did you, uh, Tony, I'll lob the ball to you because you might have something to say about that too. Thank you, Brandy. Tony? I think it's a lot easier to walk away from a confrontation if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation when you realize that you're just wasting your time with someone, you're spinning your wheels, and you're not going to change the person. However, um, uh, Patrick was talking about a situation where he's confronted by someone online, the person's vilifying him, calling him a homophobe and the like. Because it's happening publicly, you have to take a stand because there are dozens or possibly even hundreds of people watching that conversation. And you do have to get your point across very, uh, very strongly and show how spurious the other person's arguments are. Um, you can't just walk away from it. You, 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 um, I think we all agree that there are times that you can't walk away from an argument, especially if it's in a, um, if it's in a public forum. Okay, that's yeah, that is a good point. And I also really like um, Patrick's idea about if you just bind your opponent, um, you're not really suggesting any sort of possible outcomes. So, for instance, if, um, you know, with the demonstration that I was at, they wanted to um, 
shut down all the oil wells. Well, it's a case of well, what's going to replace those oil wells. Um, the ideal situation is to set up a network of windmills like we have um, around the um, around the Bay Area, possibly even more solar panels like we have uh, going out towards towards Nevada. But you could always I could envision a situation where the government might say, well, we need more nuclear reactors. And so we'd be out of the frying pan and into the fire. So you do need to direct where you want your actions to go. So it's a matter of we want less oil wells, but we want to move towards green, sustainable energy, green, safe, sustainable energy, not nuclear. So I think it is important to not just bind, but give a direction for, for your magical action. I hope I explained that well. You explained that very well. That That is incredibly uh, awesome. Recently, before we take the break, uh, as you guys know, uh, I'm involved uh, politically on a minor level here in my uh, community. I'm on the Democratic County uh, Committee, and I help uh, make uh, you know, decisions and vote on things you know, uh, that have to do with uh, our, our community here in uh, Tenafly. And... Uh, um, no one has approached me with anything negative. Recently, we had a mayoral uh, race. No one even uh, fought to give me any negative information or gossip on the other candidate. Um, in their dealings with me, uh, everyone remained uh, positive and stuck with the issues. And that is something that also typified this particular campaign that although there were there were occasional tensions and things, uh, the candidates uh, did things together, showed a lot of goodwill toward each other, and uh, this was one of the uh, least uh, problematic uh, campaigns in a very long time. And uh, that was a very awesome thing. And I think it's possible, uh, you know, to do it. Here, uh, a lot of us try to continuously focus on the positive and we've tried this for the past three or four years. Just focus on the good things, focus on the positive, reinforce the good things instead of attacking uh, the negative things. And I guess enough of it uh, uh, permeated uh, the uh, uh, surrounding culture where it became less of the thing to do rather than wait, writing horrible op-eds in the paper and uh, uh, giving out accusatory leaflets, uh, people gave out leaflets that focused on their beliefs and what they can bring to the town. And uh, uh, so it, they, they've done that before, too, but there were also the negative elements. And this year, uh, we did not have hardly any negative elements. And that, that is an awesome thing. Cool. So we will take a brief break, and then when we return we will introduce the Atlantis Project. And I guess we'll play Say Yes by Amokaya, because it's a positive thing.
Welcome back to Pride of Olympus. This is Hercules Invictus. Today I am moderating our ERG forum, and our contestants are authors and teachers, Brandy Williams, Tony Merswicki, and Patrick Dunn. Greetings and welcome back, Ophiergis. Hi, Hercules. Hi. Hello. 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 Uh, 
I will now uh, basically share something I've been working on. I've been working on it for a very long time, um, and it's slowly starting to uh, come together. Um, it's been called various uh, things over the past, like, five years, uh, but uh, they all incorporate the Atlantis theme. And uh, the Atlantis project um, was kind of the original thought was that it would be the uh, other side of the coin to the Elysium project, which is all our initiatives that are dedicated to trying to make this world a better place. And uh, with the Atlantis project, uh, Atlantis, for all its uh, virtues in the mythology and in the occult lore, uh, destroyed itself. So Atlantis would kind of like be a reminder that, uh, you know, we are responsible for our world and that our decisions can destroy the world uh, we know. But over the years, it's evolved into something a bit more. And now it's become um, a project that focuses on clean water. So there are two parts of it. One part is mythical. It's called Mythic Atlantis. And there it's sharing uh, tales of not only uh, Atlantis, uh, and other uh, sunken lands, uh, but also uh, Poseidon's kingdom of mermaids and uh, naiads and dryads and uh, um, all sorts of folklore um, and uh, legend and uh, metaphysics that ties into the element of uh, water on one hand. And then on the other hand, it's uh, what can we do to keep our water clean? Uh, we depend on water for life. Uh, what exactly are the problems now with our water that need to be confronted? What are the causes of these problems? And what can we personally do about it? So uh, right now on Facebook, um, we're posting that information in the Mythic Atlantis uh, site, uh, and it's getting more organized. And I have people you know, coming in and doing different things. So now I have two researchers uh, who are helping me find these resources. So that's a tremendous help. So I got to work out a schedule for sharing that in the Mythic Atlantis group. And then uh, we're getting a lot of resources, anything from starting your own activism movement to uh, um, contacting your representatives to what bills are going before Congress uh, so that you can call or write your representatives. So that I'm going to store on documents in this group and it and eventually be two separate groups. One of them dedicated to the activism and the others to the, the love for the kingdom of water and all the lore that's accumulated throughout our human experience about the element of water. So uh, um, I would like to invite you guys to play along if you care to, um, and uh, to take the opportunity to answer any questions you might have or any suggestions that you might have. That sounds Brandy? awesome. I'm sorry? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, and, and focusing on water is um, – is particularly potent. There's so many great rituals that you can do around water. Um, I, I here in the Northwest, we have a lot of it. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you have to, to cross a, a bridge or, or you use a, a boat to get from one place to another. And the, the native peoples um, have traditionally used boats to get places rather than going overland, which was forested. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of activity, um, activist activity and rituals down at the water's edge. So that, there are a number of initiatives that I, I'm um, aware of. Um, there are the idea of rain gardens where you can um, plant gardens and help the, help the plants um, or set up plants so that they, they purify water before it goes into the ground. 
So that's important here. And I've, I've participated in rituals that were led by Native peoples involving going to the water's edge and honoring the water um, and, and pledging to, to continue to, to try to keep it pure. So that's both a, um, a physical thing that you can do and also a spiritual thing that you can do. Um, so, so those are really important. And then I, um, as I do tantric ritual, one of the things we do is work with a, a pot called the kamandala, which is the womb of the goddess, and we put water in it. And then we, um, after a ritual, we do something with it. And one of the things we do is to take that water and take it down to the water's edge and, and pour it into the water with the idea that the um, – the, the energy of the ritual is helping to purify the water. You're, you're, you're bringing something sacred to something sacred. So that's something that people can do just anywhere um, to, to take water and, and place intention that the water should be pure and then pour that water back into your local waterway. Um, I, I don't know. I, no, that's, that's awesome. Are these rituals available online? Do you have links to them? So I'll provide people with the links gladly. Um. I could write something. Um, <laughs> uh, I I don't know if they're on, online, honestly, since I'm in the lineage tradition now. I'll I'll take a look. Um, but but it's certainly not hard to to think about just taking a, a a glass of water or a pot of water, decorative pot, make it decorative, and then put water in it, put an intention in it, and then pour it back into your waterway. Um, and I don't know what you would do in Southern California. <laughs> put it in a waterway that used to be, perhaps. <laughs> No, that, I've that out my front door. <laughs> do you know people who are doing this? Yeah, my my whole cooler does this. Yeah. Um, so um, yes, I do know people who are doing this. Both um, uh, native people do this here, and also um, you know the the other magical workers that I work with do this as well. Would you like to do a show about that? We can uh, um, budget some time. Someone's going to teach me how to pre-record episodes. Uh, hopefully this weekend. <laughs> So if That's I can awesome. master that simple skill, it'll solve a lot of problems. Uh, and then we could do it at your, you know, at everybody's leisure and uh, convenience. We could do a show about that. That'd be wonderful to share with people. I could, I could do part. I could do a little piece of a show. It would be wonderful for us to to pre-record some of these these things and put them together. Hercules, it's great. And again, I really appreciate your doing this. It's always so much fun to, to get to bounce ideas off other people. And you're really building an important group here. So I appreciate your, your work. And this uh, group came from your ideas through a conversation that we have had. So I appreciate that as well. You're an awesome individual, uh, Brandy. And uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, we, we praise you quite often. Right, Tony? <laughs> Um, I think it's Brandy pointed out the, the connection between indigenous people and water, which um, I, I found myself thinking back to the pipeline demonstrations where you had indigenous people standing up against the building of pipelines on their land, arguing that the pipelines would burst and that they would pollute their water. And without water, if, unless you have fresh water to drink, you're, you're going to be sick. You know, after yeah. all, Many of the problems that you have in third world countries are a result of not having fresh water to drink, fresh water to um, to clean your food with and everything else. And by supplying people in third world countries with fresh water, you can overcome a lot of the diseases and parasites that they're afflicted by. But yet, so even though issues like that are being targeted in third world countries, we still have indigenous people here suffering from a lack of fresh water. And it's also interesting to note that the only people who are in jail 
um, of the activists who stood up to the companies building the pipelines. When yeah. those pipelines burst, as was predicted, none of the executives involved in their construction wound up going to jail. Another thing that I think we should be very aware of is that we are all 70% water. Water is something that binds us all together. Water is a birthright that we all that we're all entitled to. Contrary to what the CEO of Nestle says, he believes that water isn't a right, that we should all be paying for our water. But like I said, we're all united by being 70% water. Water is something that binds us all together. So to compromise our water supply, as it has been for Indigenous people, as it has been in Flint, and it always seems to be poor communities that that seem to suffer the most, either indigenous communities or, or poor coloured communities. They're being deprived of, of access to, to clean water. That, that does seem to be the case. Is there something, would you like to research that and we could post that on uh, the website uh, for, as, as an informational service to people? Um, I could I could do something like that for you. Okay, thank you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, anything anybody can do is is greatly uh, appreciated. Because um, raising awareness is one thing, as has been said here in this forum uh, many times. Uh, but taking action is is also very important. So the uh, podcasts and the uh, um, sharing uh, information that's on YouTube or newspaper articles that's very good for raising people's awareness. Um, but that would be kind of like the next uh, step. They can they can see factually uh, what happened, and then uh, they're being given the tools where they can actually uh, take action, even if it's signing petitions. You know, just take it, doing whatever you can, regardless of who you are and what your circumstances are. What can you do with who you are and what you have? And that that's I guess the I, goal to the whole thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it, I think it's imperative that we have reliable information that we can point to. Um, I found time and time again when you engage a conservative in an argument, they'll wind up screaming fake news. And then when you ask them, well, why is it fake news? What sources can you cite? Either they don't have any sources to cite or they'll point to something totally sketchy, you know, Breitbart News or, or, or something just something from Fox News, something totally lacking any sort of validity. So I think it's important to have um, reliable resources that people can point to. That's very true. It's also very difficult. Uh, I believe in uh, voting uh, also. So I I devote time to that, uh, to just getting people to vote. Uh, Not the way I think they should vote, although that would be nice, but uh, that doesn't enter the equation when I'm trying to convince them uh, that uh, how important it is uh, to vote. And what is a reliable source of information? People who don't agree with uh, my views uh, often point to things like Snopes, which I consider very, uh, um, you know, informative and uh, um, correct in the information that it's sharing. And they say that that's fake news. So it's very difficult to, you know, to identify sources of information that uh, people will accept. So that's a challenge. And the more information there is, uh, the better from a variety of sources. So that would be an awesome um, thing. Snopes actually fell into disrepute um, a, a couple of Did years it? ago. 
Yeah, um, it's basically run by, I think it's a husband and wife team, and they just Google information. But they were saying that there was a strong political bias in the things that they were saying. So, again, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how valid that is as, as a criticism because, like you, I used to use Snopes very extensively. And then once people started questioning its um, impartiality, as as a resource, and I found myself being um, uh, not quite as trusting of it as I as I previously had been. Uh, again, you know, um, you can Google all that. You can you can find that out. But like, like I said, the the people who rant Snopes are just a, a husband wife without any any um, relevant qualifications. They'll just Google extensively. That was my understanding, and now I'm going to have to go off and Google that <laughs> myself to verify it all. Well, what I did in response to people uh, saying that it wasn't authoritative was I just put a qualifier under it that uh, although many people use and rely upon Snopes, uh, some people, um, you know, usually from conservative or right uh, um, usually holding conservative right perspectives, uh, view it as, a, what do you call it, a... Uh, uh, fake news. So I put something to that effect, uh, qualifying it so that people were forewarned if they were going to use Snopes. So would the people who scream out fake news, what do they actually point to as true news? Like, is it Fox News and Breitbart, or what do they point to? Occasionally Fox News, occasionally Breitbart, uh, occasionally some sources that uh, if you look at the signs on them, they're from uh, uh, Eastern European uh, countries, like from Russia or uh, uh, countries in Russia's uh, orbit. Um, so basically, they're places that people who lean mostly toward the left would consider not authoritative or, or fake news. So uh, it, it's not very productive to yell fake news at each other's uh, news sources. Uh, but then it's it's very frustrating not to know what stories you can trust uh, as you're trying to construct your own idea of what is happening in the reality that surrounds you. I remember reading about um, operations in, in Russia where you had large groups of people trying to influence the last election or basically leaning towards Trump and against Hillary. The idea was to destabilize American society, make people lose trust in their government. And it was getting to a stage where you didn't really know what to trust. And that was, that was the I, point I, of it. That came up in the impeachment trials over the past few days, uh, the televised yeah. one, that piece of information uh, as well. So the Russians seem to have succeeded uh, in what they were yes. aiming to do. Yes. Patrick? I think uh, focusing on water is a really clever idea because, Thank you know, uh, it was Thales, right, who said that water was the essence the essence um, of everything. So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, he's right. Um, we, we all have to drink stuff. Um, I think Tony's point that, you know, it's the, it's the poor communities that get hit hardest. Um, I'm not from California, but I spend most of my summers there. And uh, I was there during the drought, and, you know, the, they're shipping water in to the Chumash reservations in bottles in, in order so that people can, can stay alive. 
And meanwhile, people on the coast are, you know, complaining that they can't water their lawns. Um, it's, you know, everyone is hit by it, but when you have a safety net, it's, it's, it's uh, easier to survive. I think the idea, you know, one of the things that I think is great about this is um, both conservatives and liberals have to drink water. And Very true. I think, I think there's, a, there's a common ground um, that could be built there. Not, I'm, when I'm talking about conservatives, I'm talking about the sort of conservatives who are, I guess, what I would probably call real conservatives, right, who actually have uh, political ideals um, and are kind of fed up with the way things have been moving lately. Um, and the, there, there is no shortage of those people. I know, I know a lot of them, you know. So um, there are people who, you know, I don't agree with them politically, um, but I, they're not um, – evil right they're they're mm-hmm. good people that i just disagree with um and i think it is possible that you could create bipartisan support to some degree for for an initiative based around water uh, uh even even a, an interface effort uh, water is also important in many other religions so um yeah, I think there's there's a lot of room here for uh, activism that that isn't um, a niche sort of activism that is has a widespread uh, general appeal. Thank you. And th- those were some of the ideas that went into like what initiatives that we're going to do, and uh, we we decided to focus on earth, air, fire, and water, the basics, and by fire, fuel, and food. Um, and just uh, start doing things in those areas because everyone needs those th- those things to live. Life needs these things to you know exist. And um, uh, the thought was that uh, not that we're not going to meet opposition because we will, but uh, it would be harder for somebody to argue against uh, you know like not having clean air to breathe than it would be about many other issues that that uh, people argue about. So uh, we're starting with the water because. Th- our drinking water in the world is diminishing and some of the solutions that have been proposed, uh, you know, create uh, other problems that would prove just as uh, challenging. Uh, so th- that's where we're starting. I'll invite you there too, Patrick. I know you're very busy, but if you ever want to play, um, what do you call it? I, I'll provide you with that playground and any input you give will be more than uh, welcome. And, uh, the point that you made about uh, you know conservatives, one of the guests on uh, our podcast, and I uh, haven't had him on for a while, but he'll be on again soon. Um, he is a conservative Republican, uh, and uh, he's uh, a person of color. He converted to uh, Judaism, and he's a Trumpist. So we don't agree politically or in terms of our life experience. Uh, you know, our life experience has been very uh, different. But we found by having uh, conversations that aside from the things that we don't agree on, there are countless things we do agree on, uh, including a universalist view of spirituality and a love of theosophy. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> a love of theosophy. <laughs> so we found uh, enough things that we agree on that we can work on together that the other things, let's leave those for now. You know, we're not going to convince each other either, it seems. So let's not even try. Let's try to understand 
yeah, I, I really sincerely want to understand why someone is acting the way they're acting, especially if it makes no sense to me or no logical uh, sense to me. Um, but uh, if we can find things we agree on and work on those together, the things we don't agree on, the conversation becomes uh, easier, becomes uh, less defensive because, uh, you know, the other person respects who you are. And even though they don't agree with you, uh, they're not going to attack you for the views that you have. So uh, that, too, this is a slow uh, process. Uh, and it seems to work best if you meet people on the level, on a personal level. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to structure more activities around that as well. It's like, let's find something we agree on and let's do that. And the other stuff, let's just let it go for now. Or, you know, we'll talk about it over coffee or on the show. Um, but, you know, let's not worry about that for now. Uh, people are suffering uh, or people need clean water. Uh, let's, how about let's work together since we both believe that that's important. I find it very useful to drill down to the level of uh, core values. And when you do that with most people, you find that you probably share one or more of their core values. They, we just might disagree about how to instantiate those values. Uh, and once in a while you do that and you find out that you don't share any values with a person, but that's, that's true too. also useful to know. Yeah. Then you wouldn't work with that, with that person. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm reminded really quickly of an article BBC had very recently about a social network that has been created um, specifically but in, in Taiwan, um, specifically to get people to arrive at consensus. So they built it so that it, it amplified agreement rather than, you know, the, the Facebook uh, oh, awesome. method of amplifying disagreement. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. It's a, it's a really important, I think, um, tool for the future. The idea that we do have values that we share and we can, uh, when we pull those out, we can move together in a, a particular direction. I think that uh, that's a, a really fruitful idea. Awesome. That, that is definitely something I'd like to see and I'd like to experiment with if it's uh, accessible. And uh, that might be something we can uh, duplicate here. Um, Patrick talked about the drought in California that we had um, a couple of years ago. Um, I think it's important to, to remind people that in the middle of that drought, Nestle was still stealing thousands and thousands of liters of water or gallons of water, I should say, from Lake Arrowhead. Their lease had expired. They were stealing water and then selling it back to people who didn't have enough water. And meanwhile, um, the agricultural industries were using huge amounts of water as well. So obviously, you need large amounts of water for meat production. And surprisingly, you need a fair bit of water for growing almonds and avocados. So there could be an argument for not growing those in California, perhaps growing them somewhere else. Where there is where there is more rain, and uh, almonds are as aside. popular now too. Hmm. Very, very good points. All right, there's a lot of great ideas uh, coming out, and I'd like to hear from you if you have any ideas on how we can work together for um, another area where activism is uh, needed. Let's let's brainstorm. I think we're making really good starts at the moment. I think water is, as Patrick pointed out, regardless of your political affiliations, you still need to drink water. And I think we, we really should be focusing on core issues. You know, so just going off on a tangent, you know, whenever I talk about homelessness, that's an issue that's very important for Brandy as well. 
when you mm-hmm. talk to conservatives about homelessness, they seem disinterested. However, once you start talking about homeless veterans, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they, they, they're in agreement that no veterans should be homeless. So I think veterans are the, are the thin edge of the wedge. Once we can all agree that veterans should not be homeless, then it's a case of, well, if we find homes for, the, for, for veterans, then perhaps we can start looking at other people as well. So it's, it's a matter of point. finding commonality. Once you find commonality, then you can go further. Bipartisan approaches um, are extremely effective, but you do need to find that common ground first. That's a very good point. Uh, Somebody had approached me here uh, not too long ago. Unfortunately, the project never uh, continued, um, but uh, the initial idea was to um, treat people with post-traumatic stress uh, because post-traumatic stress is a much bigger problem uh, than uh, most people were aware of. And uh, they were going to start with uh, veterans and first responders um, because uh, uh, that was something that more people can agree on, um, you know, in terms of uh, the effects of uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Um, so identifying it with uh, veterans um, to open the door to dialogue is a very good idea, Tony. One of the things uh, I also have been feeling very strongly about, and again, this is a slow process, but um, I, and here I'll, I'll open uh, it to suggestions on what I can do more. Um, I, uh, I believe in uh, physical fitness and optimal wellness. And I'm in my 60s now, uh, so I'm not as uh, strong or as fast or you know, even uh, my memory is not as great as it once uh, was. Uh, so uh, I don't fear death. I know death will come. We all go there. Um, I just want to enjoy the time I have here and have like an optimum quality of life, which I believe uh, most people do. So I exercise. Um, I try to eat right. I like experimenting. So often my diets uh, do me in, but that's part of who I am and how I deal with life. I experiment a lot. Um, but uh, anyway, I've been sharing my personal journey on uh, Facebook, both with exercise, with diet, with how I inspire myself to keep uh, on the track and not get off, the mistakes I make and so forth. Um, and here in my town, um, I've been the chairman of the Access for All Committee, which is uh, mostly for people with disabilities to access uh, uh, community resources and services. But uh, more globally, it's a uh, for all the citizens in our town to be able to enjoy everything that our town has to uh, offer. Um, so fitness comes into that. And also I'm a champion of the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign. So I've gotten to do some cool things for my community. And then I represent uh, the campaign at like community night and things like uh, that. And uh, I've created a bunch of uh, um, podcasts that focus on wellness Some of them focus on my type of wellness with like Charles Atlas and weightlifting and uh, uh, weird diets and things like that. Uh, And then others with uh, wellness uh, generally. And uh, we've developed some shows that are, you know, some like new age, some a little bit more traditional. Um, And this way there's a lot of different information uh, that people can uh, use. And I started partnering with uh, um uh, Jerry Hochek, he's the owner of Natural Awakenings Magazine, which is like the holistic magazine here in the area. 
So uh, we've tried a bunch of things uh, together and we're still playing with uh, different ideas um, and, uh, you know, trying to um, help our community become a healthier uh, place. So after that, kind of like I'm drawing a blank, um, other than opening up a gym, which I'm not likely to be doing uh, at this particular point in time in my life, I can think of nothing else that I can personally do um, to help uh, um, uh, myself and people in ever-widening circles uh, to be as well as they can be and to enjoy the life they have to the ability that they're able to enjoy it. So uh, I put this out to the theurgists. Well, you know, it occurs to me, Hercules, that your name is Hercules. And I don't know that I heard in your description how, how Hercules inspired you. So that might be an interesting direction to go in. I mean, not for the general public, but for us theurgists. How, how does Hercules inspire your wellness practice? Ah, uh, profoundly. Um, as you know, I, uh, my name is legally Hercules Invictus. I, I was born Panayotis Constantinos Venetis. And uh, Panayotis translates, it means to the glory of the Queen of Heaven, which in antiquity was Heraclius. And uh, people with that name, either they get stuck with anglicized names that start with P, or they'll, you know, they'll use one of several translations, including uh, Hercules. Um, and I'm a Lemnian, which is the island where the uh, women warriors were, the Amazons that Jason and the Argonauts found. And so we have all sorts of stories about the Argonauts and Hercules, because Hercules had been there several times, the Theban Hercules. And then the uh, Cretan Hercules, the idea in the dactyl, um, the Mysteria of the Dactyls were the same as the Mysteria of the Corybantes that were tra um, celebrated on Samothraki and also uh, on Lemnos. Uh, in, in antiquity, they said that the, you know, the Mysteria were the same. And where my family's from and where we still have land is the place where Hercules descended as a god to, um, to uh, oh God, Philoctetes, uh, to get his bow for Odysseus so they could win the Trojan War. And near there, there were these uh, lands called Tavulagmena, which means the sunken. And there, Hercules, some say Jason, uh, created an altar to Athena as a nymph or, or as a bride. Um, and that's sunk under the water. And uh, so, you know, basically, Hercules has played into my mythology since uh, I was born. And I also have the honor of being born during the sword and sandal era, where Steve Reeves and Reg Park and all those guys were making Hercules movies. So I grew up with those movies as well. And they reinforced the... Uh, um, they reinforced the already mythical ancestry that I had uh, through the Lemnian tales in Greek mythology. So since uh, my earliest uh, time in this incarnation, I identified very strongly with uh, that figure and its connections with uh, me and my family and my land and, and so forth. Uh, in Greek, there's something called enonomatitheou, which means in the name of the deity. So my surrendering my birth name was a ritual act, kind of like when I cut my hair. I cut my hair for ritual reasons. Otherwise, my hair, my mane flows free. Um, so uh, there, too, it's kind of like I let my ego go, uh, all for the greater uh, honor of uh, Heraclius, my, my mythical ancestor, my operant archetype, my tutelary deity, whichever way you want to look at it, it doesn't really matter. It says uh, the same thing. So 
fitness has always been part of my experience, again, uh, familiarly, culturally, and so forth. Um, Hercules is credited with starting the Olympic Games, whether it's the Theban one or the Cretan one or one of the other ones, uh, doesn't matter. There are several origins. Uh, So uh, being physically fit and exercising and being as strong as you can be and being as vital as you can be, uh, my exercise area, whether it be in a corner of my room or like when I had a home gym in Pennsylvania, that's my temple. And I have uh, photos on the wall of various uh, sword and sandal Heracleses, and I have uh, artwork uh, in statuary and in, uh, um, like, posters, and uh, they hang up on the wall. So when I'm exercising, which is a few times a day, I'm in an alternate uh, state of mind. And I exercise uh, in, like, my, uh, not in beta, but, like, in alpha and it's full of visualizations and, and so forth. So um, that is an integral part of who I am. And it always has been, and I've tried to stray from it on occasion, never works that well. Uh, so it's just part of who I am and it's part of my life. So I make it a very important part of everything I'm doing. Long-winded answer to a simple question, but there you go. <laughs> my solution to all such problems is write a book. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you want to share, I, I would be fascinated to read a book about meditation and exercise and, and prayer and exercise in, in the Thurgic tradition. Um, I, I, I am definitely on board with the idea that there needs to be more physical fitness in the occult in general. Um, I'm not, I, I go to planet fitness, so it's not quite a temple, but um but I, I work out regularly because otherwise yeah, I don't have the energy to do anything else. And I think that that gets shoved on the wayside in a lot of occult traditions. And even a little bit of exercise really helps. I, I agree so, yeah, with you. Okay, awesome. I, I, maybe I will do so. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book lately. Maybe it'll be about that. Uh, Donald Tyson um, uh, he's a Llewellyn author and a magician. Uh, when I had my show in Pennsylvania, he he had been on a few times, and we had a conversation about uh, uh, exercise in uh, the occult and about how uh, basically the weight, you know, your, your your gym is your ritual area, and the weights are your uh, ritual items, and you know, all sorts of things that that exercising, especially if you're using weights, is a, an occult operation. And you have to use visualization and uh, uh, you have to build up your motivation and everything you do from what you eat to how you sleep uh, is focused on the results that you want to get, which is something superhuman. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you something too. The, um, the trip to India as a pilgrimage was a powerful focus for exactly that, for physical fitness, because we looked at the stairs from the, the river Ganges up into Varanasi proper and we said there are a hundred there are a hundred stairs <laughs> we have to be able to climb a hundred stairs so every day we go to the gym right and we're like okay you know there's only 20 stairs here there's like another 80 we got to do right um and it was very very helpful and i want to tell you that every single thing every single yoga class i took and and mile i lapped in the gym was very very helpful <laughs> on the ground other other countries don't have handrails <laughs> Or, or elevators are a new idea, right? Um, and this is true in Europe, too. You don't have to go to a, a country like India. Everywhere you go, people move more than we do in America. We drive, right? Other people walk. So 
this is if, if you pick a pilgrimage and decide to go somewhere, that's really um, that's gonna that be a powerful motiv- motivator for physical fitness. I've been thinking of a pilgrimage too. So a book and a pilgrimage. Let's see what Tony comes up with. <laughs> um, I'm getting oracles here. <laughs> I actually wrote an essay a number of years ago for the Llewellyn Journal where I combined working with the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life in particular, and combining it with bodybuilding. Oh, wow. Um, so I actually, I'll, 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 I've actually just dug it up now. It's it's still up. I'll be able to give you a link to it if you want to check it out. So I definitely do. I was do. toying with the idea of, of, um, of, of combining working with the Tree of Life and incorporating into bodybuilding. So, you know, working with Adam Kadmon, um, different body parts corresponding to different Sephiroth, those different Sephiroth correspond to different days of the week. So I tried to come up with a program where you'd be working particular body parts on, on the correct days so as to um, enhance your results in the gym. Um, I'll give you a link to that. You can check it out. You may find it interesting. But um, while you were talking, I actually had a, a distinct feeling of deja vu. I was getting my dude time in in the gym today, chatting to some of the guys, and I found that a lot of the guys there were open to moving towards plant-based diets, um, supplementing with herbs and the like. And just talking to you, I started to realize that if you only talk to people in the gym, it's like living in a bubble. Because people who have the um, the drive and determination to come to the gym on a regular basis will obviously be far more receptive to ideas of how they can enhance their wellness. And the thing was that a couple of these guys were talking to me about friends and relatives of theirs who had had heart attacks, they had had cancer, and they had zero interest at all in changing their diet, even though they knew that by modifying their diets, they could clean out their arteries, they could minimize the risk of the cancer coming back. It was just too much trouble. So there are some people who you just can't reach. But everything that I have been reading over the last few years indicates that for optimum wellness, you need to move towards a plant-based diet where most of your food is, is organic. Ideally, all of it should be organic. A total plant-based diet would be optimal, but not many people are prepared to do that. But just minimizing meat consumption is a good thing. Supplementing with herbs, um, exercising, and I also am a great believer in CBD oil. Cannabinoids were a part of the the food chain for for humans for for thousands of years. And once once, um, uh, cannabis was made illegal, we found that cannabinoids were no longer part of the food chain and we have been afflicted with all sorts of diseases which our ancestors didn't have. The, pro- the thing is that, that cannabis wasn't just ingested by us, it was used as feedstock. So if you drank milk or ate eggs or ate steak, you're ingesting cannabinoids. So our systems are flooded with cannabinoids. We've been deficient in them for so many years. And that's why when people supplement with cannabinoids, all of a sudden they find themselves almost miraculously curing things. Um, To cite one example, a friend of mine was telling about a buddy of his who was sliding into dementia and Alzheimer's. His wife worked for a company 
which sold CBD oil. So she started administering CBD oil to her husband. And within a few months, he came back. Wow. He actually came back. He's no longer vague. There's nothing in Western medicine that brings you back once you start sliding down that slippery slope towards dementia and Alzheimer's. And again, it's not miraculous. It's just something that we are deficient in. Much, much the same as, you know, a really good useful analogy is vitamin C. Sailors had, would suffer from scurvy, mm-hmm. all sorts of nasty diseases because they're deficient in vitamin C. Once they started giving them lime juice as part of their rations, all that went away. It was almost miraculous. Thing is that nutritional supplements appear to be miraculous if you're deficient in them. And I firmly believe that we require cannabinoids as part of our diet. So supplementing a bit of CBD oil is a good thing. And for those who aren't familiar with CBD oil, it's, it's extracted from industrial hemp. It is not psychoactive. It has incredible healing properties. And the best CBD oils are organic full-spectrum extracts. The thing is that we're familiar with CBD oil, but there are numerous other compounds in industrial hemp that may well have healing properties as well. So by having a full-spectrum extract, um, we're ingesting all those as well. That is an awesome thing. We actually have uh, two of our hosts, our champions for uh, uh, that here in New Jersey. Uh, they, uh, mm-hmm. They're fighting for it and they're actively engaged uh, in that uh, particular uh, battle. Um, if any of you want to discuss your journeys, we, we have several podcasts set up for people uh, sharing their own um, you know, unique uh, path to uh, optimal wellness. So you're all more than welcome. Just let me know. And uh, you know, we have s- several of, of them a month, so it wouldn't be a problem scheduling you. Uh, if you want to be part of that uh, dialogue from whichever angle you'd like to take it. And in fact, the plant-based versus non-plant-based uh, diets uh, is something we've been discussing a lot lately. I'm, I have type 2 diabetes. And uh, any plant-based uh, or primarily plant-based diet I've attempted has driven my blood sugar up uh, ridiculously. Uh, oh, and, no. uh, yeah, what seems mm-hmm. to work best for me is uh, high-protein, high-fat. Um, low uh, carbohydrates uh, and again anytime I stray from that for whatever reason uh, my blood sugar shoots up and then you know that becomes dangerous I could lose my vision I could lose uh, appendages so uh, um, I can't really uh, experiment uh, too much past when I get into the danger point with the blood sugar so that's an ongoing um, dialogue and you're, you're welcome um, to join okay, it Cookies, I don't want this to sound like a product endorsement, and I'm not associated with the company at all. But Beyond Meat um, have products which you may want to consider incorporating into your diet. Um, They have what they call a beast burger, which is made from pea protein. So this thing has, it's incredibly high in protein, has more protein in it at stake. It has moderate levels of fat. It actually has more essential fatty acids than salmon. Um, but it has, it's extremely low in carbs. So you could have beast burgers and have them with salad or various fibrous vegetables and you'd be keeping your, you'd be keeping your blood sugar levels low. The thing is that with beast burgers, it's, you can treat them almost like meat. I, I grew up on, on um, high protein diets, you know, going into the gym where 
you'd be having high protein. Back in the day, it was high protein, low yes. fat, um, you know, moderate carbs. Now it's switched where people are having high protein, dropping the carbs, but keeping the fat a little a little higher. And you can have that sort of diet using using beef burgers. Check them out. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, and they taste absolutely delicious. I will do so. I've Don't. seen them in the supermarket, and uh, next time we go shopping, I'll pick some up, and we can make that the topic of, of discussion on the show because uh, I'm always looking for ways of Don't go for the Impossible Burger. It's laden with GMOs. Um, okay. Go for the Beast Burger. Yeah. We're going to take a very brief break, uh, and uh, I guess we will listen to Evolve. Uh, which I like, I play it a lot, and then we'll be back for uh, the last third of our show.
Brandy Williams and Patrick Dunn. I'm greatly honored to have them all. And uh, now we will be wrapping up uh, where we began with Brandy Williams and visions of a better future. So I will hand the Thunderbolt <laughs> to Brandy and she will um, expand on what she said before and then we will all dream great dreams together. And I, I think um, we've had a lot of good conversation about that as the program has gone on. And the kind of um, kind of thing that I'm headed towards is is um, um, moving into group work. So we all have some good ideas about how to do this as individuals, but how do we get together in groups and crowdsource ideas about the future um, so, so that we can kind of focus our, our magical efforts on that? Um, and I, I have this kind of idea that maybe we can think of uh, or, or start working on ideas for a group um, exercise that we could do during the BRG forum at PantheaCon. So that was kind of where I was going. But I'm, I'm, I'm not any, any um, more focused on it than that. So that's, that's why I, I brought it up here. That sounds excellent. And uh, we could also do it, uh, we can meet online. <clears throat> Um, either create a podcast about it or we can have like a group meeting and then air that. We could, we could do it in a number of ways. Um, but I think that's an excellent idea and I think we should do it. That's a, that's a really good idea, yeah. Um, one thing that is happening um, just in general is that people are using Zoom to have meetings and to do rituals. So my, my entire um, Tantric Kula meets on Zoom. Our teacher teaches us oh, and, and does transmissions. We this this is something we should all work on. I think you know this. We all teach, um, and I, I'd love Hercules. I'd love you to learn Zoom and do all of this as a um, as a as a recorded um, film, which we could then you know share with people. So um, that's a, that's something too to, as crowdsourcing. We can think about ways to use the technology to bring people together. You're quite right. Um, awesome. Let's let's do that. Um, we'll communicate by email and then let's uh, talk on the phone. And uh, let's do it. Let's do it. So what better future would you like to see before you, Brandy? I, um, I think that we have um, talked about water. That may be a place to go. I mean, we want water to be available to people. Um, I agree with Tony that, that water is um, 
it's a shared resource. And when we get into people saying you don't have a right to water, what they're saying is I have a right to restrict your access to a shared resource. Yeah. That's maybe a little political, um, but that that's kind of that's kind of where I went. So, so we want our water to be clean. It's it's important. It's and we want um, all all people to have access, equal access to water. Um, I think that that's important too. I I think it's also interesting. We talk. We, we might want to go back and, and touch on air. We have clean air in this country, but I'm old enough to remember when we didn't, and we, we did something about that, and that was a very yeah. positive change that we made in the world. I, I grew up in Southern California where I could not look a mile down the street, and now I can walk down the street and see the mountains. Um, and I just came back from Delhi where it is the, the air is so polluted that it is extremely dangerous to breathe, right? So the reason that we're focusing on water is that we, we, we fixed air <laughs> um, and maybe an elemental approach is a, is a good idea. Actually, as magicians, we, we want to continue to have clean air. We want to clean the water. We want to, um, and, and um, we want to, and that, that brings us to earth and the, the biosphere to that the earth itself, the biosphere continues to exist, that it is, um, it is healing that we augment its healing rather than interrupting that. That's our real focus right now on climate change, right? Stop, stop hitting, um, the, stop hurting the earth and, and start helping those healing processes. And the other thing about water, um, is garbage, right? So we put garbage in the, in the water stream, in the waste stream, and it, it collects in the ocean. So a way to, to um, stop the ongoing pollution of the, the ocean, particularly with plastics, and to start cleaning the, um, the ocean of its plastics, those are things that I'd like to see us focus on, too. That, that sounds awesome. So, One of our hosts does that. He's starting a project called Project Lemonade. Uh, and uh, um, he they're, they're addressing just that. He's going to give us a report uh, next month, I believe, on his progress. Uh, but he's trying to get something together just to take the plastics out of the water because that is a big problem. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And so the the, the collective visioning, the, the individual visioning is to, to write, you know, the statement, affirmation statement, um, and to to make a visualization of um, what the world looks like when you go in the ocean and it's clean rather than seeing plastics. And, you know, so visualize clean water, essentially. But how do we do that as a group? How do we together um, um, join forces? So that's the the place where I'm I'm looking for ideas. Okay, Tony, do you have an idea for that? And then share your your vision. One one thing that's really worrying me at the moment is, as Brandy pointed out, um, back in the day we had very polluted air, we had very polluted water, and it was because various acts were, were strengthened by, by the EPA that the water and air were cleaned up. Um, what's currently happening is that the, um, the current government administration is weakening and repealing clean air rules um, and also clean water rules. So I can see us going back to polluted air and polluted water. Um, in effect, we're we're going to be going backwards. So we really need to keep pushing hard at the EPA, signing petitions, maybe even organizing demonstrations. Um, obviously, the magical workings are, are important as an adjunct, but we really need to um, push hard on the EPA. Without clean air and clean water, we, we really don't have anything. 
um, it's, it's because we've had clean air and clean water that, that we enjoy um, reasonable health. Once you start moving away from that, I mean, look at people in China. It's the most polluted country on the planet. They can't breathe the air. They, they can't drink the water. All the food that's grown there is toxic. It's, it, it's absolutely horrible. Those are very good we, points. Then. Very good points. Yeah, we we really need to keep pushing at the EPA and 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 doing workings. We we can't let up. We can't go backwards. No, we can't. And so you're sharing the same vision, the vision of a, a, a clean environment, clean water, clean air, clean food, and so forth. That's. That's my idea, but we also need to um, target what's happening with with climate change. We need to minimize greenhouse gas emissions. What's been happening in the world is, is, is absolutely frightening. We've had bushfires in Australia. We've had bushfires in the Amazon. Um, we've got glaciers melting. We've got polar bears falling victim to climate change. They, they can't go out and hunt effectively because the... the, the um, uh, the icebergs that they would have sat on are, are, are melting away. Um, there are also viruses that are affecting animals animals in the Arctic, which are a result of viruses coming out of melting ice. There, there was an article on that yeah. online not not too not too long ago. Um, we've also got the deaths of oak trees in in California. That's directly attributed attributable to. Um, to climate change and another really worrying thing is during the cold war we did a lot of nuclear testing on the marshall islands we actually nuked the island 67 times then Mm. biological weapons were tested on the islands and after it was all finished they scooped up the soil and put them into a crater and it just sat there and they covered it all in concrete so that was fine and dandy but what's been happening is that the water levels are rising and they're slowly starting to leach that that, po- mm-hmm. that poisonous material out, and it's going to go into the ocean. So we've got radioactivity leaching into the ocean. Fukushima. Now we've got radioactivity mm-hmm. and biological weapons leaching into the water from from the Marshall Islands as well. Um, and again, we we need to target the issue of um, of greenhouse gas emissions. We need to be moving towards green sustainable energy. We need to minimize meat consumption. There's so much that has to be done. But the thing is, so long as we're taking little steps in the right direction, we will eventually get there. Very true. Uh, we, we, we can only do what we can do, but we have to do it. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Tony. I mean, it's, 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 so, it's so easy to sit back and say, it's too difficult, but, but we can't. The, the stakes are too no. high. The thing is, the world doesn't belong to us. The world belongs to future generations. So we owe it to future generations to leave the planet in a better state than what we found it in. I agree. And uh, my wife and I were having a discussion this morning about this. And um, it's uh, uh, this is our time to find out who we are and what we're all about. Uh, we talk like in, of things that happened in the past, like uh, uh, the extermination of Aboriginal peoples, about the extermination of uh, people in the uh, concentration camps and, and so forth. And it's like, oh, you know, if we were alive back then, we would do X, Y and Z. 
Well, we're alive now, and these types of atrocities are going on today. Uh, so yes. this is our chance to take action. This is our chance, uh, uh, you know, to alter um, the tide of unfolding events and to do something better. Very true. Patrick? Um, I'm I'm going to try some of that affirmative prayer, and uh, I'm going to uh, imagine that uh, young people come out of high school knowing what science is and how it works and trusting in the method, but with the skepticism that the method requires Mm -hmm. uh, that they, uh, that they see their education as an opportunity to grow creatively and develop a purpose in life beyond merely a career that gets them money, uh, the money they need to live because of course, economic issues are are central to human freedom. But there's also more to human freedom than, money um and with a you know a political sense and a sense of history that they know that history is not other people doing things it's individuals doing things and i think we're seeing we're seeing people come come with come to that realization you know with Greta Thunberg and so forth um but that's that's my vision of the future that that we we shift education into what I think it's supposed to be. I mean, I'm largely a Platonist, and I think education is about reminding people of who they really are. Um, and I don't think we do that very well right now, I, but I think we can, we can. Do you have any ideas on how we can? Oh, yes. Many, many ideas. Um, <laughs> you Would you care to share them or is that for the book? <laughs> no, I won't say them for a book. I won't say them for a book. Um, uh, I think so. So there's this, there's been a push for critical thinking um, in education, but critical thinking is uh, not a value neutral term. And what it often is is uh, logical positivism. Um, I think we need to to start thinking about. Uh, what we mean by critical thinking. Uh, a lot of times I'll assign a research paper and uh, students will, some students will write the whole paper and then I'll say, are you done with your paper? And they're like, yeah, I just have to go in and put in all the research. <laughs> and it seems like that, that's the opposite of the process, right? <laughs> um, so I think we can do a better job of teaching inquiry-based learning. And that has to start not just in the schools, not at the Department of Education, such as it currently is, because there really isn't one right now, but uh, in teacher training and training new teachers to push back against legislation that is against this sort of thing. Uh, So, for example, uh, under President Obama, uh, there was an effort to uh, assess institutions of higher learning on the basis of whether or not students got jobs upon graduation and how much money they made at those jobs. Um, now, because the Department of Education is currently a dumpster fire, that hasn't really gone into effect, but that would be the exact opposite of what we need, I think, to assess higher education. But, I, you know, they want numbers. How do you, how do you find the number of how many students live a happy life? You know, so, um, we need public policy that actually cares about real education rather than job training. And I think that will have a positive effect on a large number of things among them, you know, the environment. 
I would agree with you that uh, I work in schools now. I do enrichment programs. That's one of the things that I do. So I get to talk to a lot of teachers. I get to talk to a lot of kids. Uh, for a while, I contemplated uh, running for the school board. You know, so uh, I'm, I'm very interested in education, um, and uh, I get to hear a lot of stories uh, too. And the stories are sometimes, you know, very uh, frustrating in terms of all the obstacles that uh, exist to providing uh, children with a uh, good education and thinking uh, critically. Yeah. And it's now, often the teachers know what to do and want to do it, but their hands are tied by policy um, and by, by assessment. There's this absolutely evil thing in Illinois where the textbook company Pearson um, – in order to become a teacher in Illinois, you have to pass a test. That test is administered by Pearson, graded by Pearson. And to take the test, you must pay Pearson $300. Mm. Um, so basically a private corporation is profiting from people who wish to be teachers. And it, 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 it has the sanction of the state. And I think that is just, well, I won't assign any Pearson textbook to any of my classes anymore because of it. And that sort of profiteering on the basis of our students has, and our kids, frankly, has to stop. But I, I could see how we could get there. I just, we need people to run for school board and so forth. Um, and make those changes. Um, as we're having our theurgy forum, and this question goes out to uh, everybody, uh, would it help if as a group, um, since we're doing theurgic activism, uh, we planned more conversations like this and then invite people to participate in them. Like uh, we could have an educational one. Um, Astrid, who's uh, on our political show, and she's also uh, has the uh, Four Elements uh, show. Um, uh, she has been involved in education for her entire uh, um, adult life, and that was her career. Uh, and she's also involved in unions, uh, so she's been on, like, labor panels we've had. Um, would you guys like, uh, you know, we can invite politicians. I've had politicians on the, the forums also. Um, would you like to come up with some topics and we could plan maybe one a month uh, that are focused on education or um, uh, pollution or um, any one of a number of uh, topics? And everyone who's interested uh, can add their voice like we're adding our voices uh, here tonight. That's a great idea. I agree. It is a so good idea. Let's do it. Yeah, bring bring your worlds together, Hercules. <laughs> You've got so many different people talking su such good ideas. It's a great idea to do some cross pollination, and you also have really good um, moderation skills. So I, I believe you can do it too. Well, thank you. I'm 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 in my own world with uh, three friends talking about things. <laughs> so that's where I am right now. So, <laughs> but, but thank you. All right, that that is uh, awesome, and and we will do it. And uh, do you want to start with water? Water or education. What water? <laughs> water and education with education second. 
We'll, yeah. we'll talk about water. Uh, if you have anybody that you know that you'd like to invite, uh, just let me know. Uh, we'd have to limit participation to like six uh, people because otherwise uh, um, the uh, board on Blog Talk Radio seems to collapse and uh, it throws people off. So uh, uh, to minimize the chances of that happening until uh, I learn another system, in which case we could record it there and then download it here, um, we'll limit it. Uh, um, I will not invite anybody unless we need people, and I'll, I'll give the uh, um, I'll give you an opportunity to invite people. But I have people I could definitely invite for any of these topics that would be more than happy to uh, to talk. So uh, um, if you could think of anybody you know that uh, whose voice should be heard with water, just let me know, and we'll start planning it. Mm-hmm. Great. Fantastic. This is awesome. Uh, a new uh, adventure uh, uh, together. That is a good um, uh, thing. Yes, Raymond. Can see, I can the Shinto priest um, will come. R- Reverend Koichi Barish uh, runs a Shinto shrine in, in Granite Falls, and he, he's very about water. Um, it's and, and Shinto has like a lot of uh, water connections. So he might be a fun person to bring on these conversations if we can get him. We can get his time. Okay. Awesome. Tony, do you have anybody to recommend? I I, I can't think of anyone offhand. Let, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. Okay. And uh, Patrick? Yeah, I have to give it some thought as well. Okay. Uh, I have. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. No, go ahead. Uh, we've had people who were focused on water in the past, so I'll look at my old guest list uh, to try to find uh, – uh, some of them uh, in case we need them. And I know that offhand, uh, Bill Waitman, uh, who was very involved politically here and in workforce uh, development, uh, he writes tons of op-eds right now, so he knows a lot about everything. And uh, Astrid, uh, she's also very well connected uh, uh, and active in uh, the politics of uh, Sussex County. And she knows all these things off the top of her head, too, and knows which legislators to contact and what to do. And, you know, she's a wealth of information that way. So if we need people, I'll, I'll start asking uh, them as well. And we can even do a series. If it's productive, the first one, uh, we can do them and then um, have actions that we could take and then follow up uh, each time on what we did and what happened and, you know, what we can do and so forth. So we can make it a living, uh, breathing initiative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so onwards uh, to bigger and uh, uh, hopefully even better uh, things. Uh, We have around seven minutes left, so uh, I'd like to take this time for you to share how people can uh, contact you and enter your world and to announce any uh, new projects you have uh, coming aboard, even if you mentioned them before, Brandy. uh, Tell them again so people can go out there and wait for them or order them. Brandy? Okay, um, I'm uh, going to be in the anthology Llewellyn's Big Book of Ceremonial Magic, which is about to hit print. And I will also be at PantheaCon at the Theurgy panel, um, which Tony has organized, and hopefully Hercules, you're, you're moderating. So we'll all, you can catch us all there. Awesome. And how can people enter your world? What's the best way? Oh, yes. Uh, BrandyWilliamsAuthor.com. So BrandyWilliamsAuthor.com um, is a website, Brandy Williams Author, on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter. 
And uh, before we move to Tony and uh, to Patrick, um, if you have anything going on at all, because you're, you know, you're part of this uh, entire podcast adventure, um, please let me know, and I'll gladly share it on my timeline. Thank you. And any other social media I have, because you do amazing things. Tony. Um, probably the best way to contact me is through Facebook. I have a personal page and I also have an author page. So one of those two works really well. And I am really looking forward to the theology panel at Panticon. This is supposed to be the last Panticon, although there are murmurs of possibly spin-off events taking place at the same time in the future. We'll see if that happens or not. Last year's panel went really well. There was just the three of us. There was Brandy, Bruce, and myself. It went really well. And if we can have Hercules involved as well, maybe even one or two other people, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, we had a quite a positive response to the panel last year, and I'm hoping for just as positive a response um, for the for the upcoming one. Um, about Pantheon, I will talk to both of you individually. Um, I was intending to go and I submitted uh, ideas for four other workshops, um, but I did not hear back from them. So I've never done Pantheon before, so I had some questions. So uh, I'll be contacting both of you and asking the questions, and then I can commit uh, after I've spoken to both of you. Sure. Um, Sounds good. Thank you. Patrick. Uh, uh, probably the easiest way to, to get a hold of me is also through Facebook. I have a personal page. I also have an author's page, although it's not tremendously active. Um, I just made it not too long ago. So, uh, But either of those I keep an eye on. Um, uh, as far as projects in the works, I'm putting together about halfway done with a manuscript that I'll be uh, shopping to Llewellyn on divination. Um, so we'll we'll see what, what shape that eventually takes, but it's still several months from being ready to show another human being. Well, you have three other human beings right here and many others listening that would like to <laughs> so as soon as you're ready to share, we're ready to uh, to hear. Uh thank you Excellent. to three of you. We have uh like three more minutes left, so I'm gonna ask each of you for a thought to leave uh, with our listeners. And we'll start with Brandy again. Believe in yourself <laughs> and, and do something, anything at all. It's, it, it doesn't matter what you do. One person can make a difference. So um, uh, we, we believe in you and, and go out there and do it. Awesome. Thank you, Brandy. Tony. I, I can't really improve on what Brandy said. I think so <laughs> long as you're taking little steps in the right direction, um, you, you're going about things the right way. I think a lot of people sit back and think, well, I can't really do anything good enough to make a difference, but it's not true. If you have enough people taking little steps in the right direction, we can move mountains. I'm in full agreement, and thank you very much. And Patrick? Uh, break out of your comfort zone. Um, look look into to, uh, the perspectives of people that you don't usually interact with and uh, try to see their perspective. I've actually got a book recommendation. If if that's okay, it's uh, sure. how to be how to be less stupid about race by Crystal M. Fleming. And, I like uh, that. Title. I highly rec- 
Yes, I, I bought it for the title, but uh, the contents are pretty good too. So I highly recommend it. Um, one of those books I think that I would love to assign in a class, but could never get away with. And thank you for that. And uh, um, I will look it up on Amazon after we finish and uh, hopefully order it like very soon because it sounds uh, incredibly awesome. Um, and thanks to all who've listened now with us live or in the future on demand. Uh, until next time, this is all of us wishing all of you joyous journeys and happy adventures. And we listened to the outro before and uh, we'll listen to it again. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world. One filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous. Okay, thanks.